I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Emily. She may or may not have CF, and she broke her back. Let's talk about it. Uh, folks, we are very excited to introduce to you our guest for this evening. Um, our guest has a really, really, really wild uh, series of stories that um, that makes me feel lucky that I have at least like a little bit of a higher luck count in my RPG like life stats. Um, our our friend Emily has been through the ringer, and uh, I can't wait for you to meet Emily and hear about the crazy shit that she's been through because it really is staggering. Please give a big, warm round of applause for Emily DeZoa. Hello. Hi, Emily. Welcome. Being luckier than me is a really low bar. (laughs) Dude, I know. Um, first of all, I see your shirt. It says, I got my own back. Yeah. Does that have anything to do with uh, the conversation tonight? It kind of does. So well, I'll, I'll explain what happened to my back later. But after all of that happened, I happened to be like Christmas shopping for somebody else. And I found this and was like, I need to buy this. I love it. I love <laughs> it. Um, so Emily, first of all, before we get started, give us a little bit of, of an introduction. Who is Emily? And, uh, you know, what, what would you like to tell the fine folks here uh, in Ottawa of, of who you are? Hello, I'm Emily. Um, I have a lot of medical issues. Some of them are not my fault. Some of them arguably are. Um, I work as a photographer, and I also work with youth, and um, I work for Chio's YouthNet, going to schools and doing presentations about mental health and neurodivergency and teaching kids about ending stigma around mental health. Very good. Cool. That's yeah, awesome. That's, that's something we don't really believe in, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, me neither. I just get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you're just in it for the money. Guys, don't say that stuff. <laughs> Suddenly, so I, I feel like I feel like probably the like the best course of action here because like you, when I read your application to come on the show, I just remember like <laughs> it was very, it was written out very chronologically, and the chronological order of what you wrote. Um, started many, many years ago. And it just kept going and going and going. And I remember like sitting down with Taylor and I was like, dude, listen to this. And I read it to him and he was just going, what? How? Yeah, I know. What the fuck? It's a very like, it, I mean, I think we all, we, we can all relate to the fact of having health issues. You know, if you're a human um, and you're, you know, in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, beyond, and you haven't like dealt with anything relating to your body, whether that be injury or, you know, 
physical health related, mental health re- related. If you haven't dealt with any of that stuff, go see a doctor. Now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you really like you really. It's it's rare to find someone who hasn't dealt with something. Um, Emily, you've you've dealt with so much over the entire span of your life, but like on top of that, <laughs> it's 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 such a confusing fucking journey oh, that you've been on. Like some of my doctors right now still disagree about what I have. <laughs> yeah, and so that's one of the things that I'm so fascinated about. So let, let, let's take it right back to the beginning. Um, you first started getting sick when you were. Very, very young. I'm taking it yeah, like, as a baby. Yeah, when I was like a baby, I started having asthma attacks. So I was diagnosed with asthma. And then as I got older, they figured I was like really prone to pneumonia. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was Something I'm very, I'm very familiar with. Yeah. Uh, I was never diagnosed with asthma. You know, mm-hmm. at 34 years old, uh, when I was born, this was before we were in Canada, before we were testing infants for cystic fibrosis at birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that is a common practice. A baby is born. As soon as they're born, they do a sweat test yep. and they just like make sure, all right, does this baby have CF or not? Um, yep. Because it's the most common genetic disease among young Canadians. Um, when- but being born, having a con- constant asthma attacks, having constant pneumonia, I'm wondering like, is there, was there a question of like, oh, maybe it's not asthma. Maybe it's something else. Well, I'm, I'm not sure if I was tested for CF at birth or not, but whether I was or not, it wouldn't have shown up. Mm. And we'll get to that later. <laughs> but can, I, can I ask a question about the yeah. asthma? Um, when a baby has asthma, do they give them the cutest little baby puffers? Or okay. like, how <laughs> does that work? Cham- so the puffers are the same, but have you seen the arrow chambers? Like yeah. the thing that is goes the like between ones? the puffer and your mouth? Yeah, uh, the oh, cylinder. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a little like mask. It's so tiny. Oh my god, that's it, like, so cute! It goes over the mouth and nose because you can't yes. get a baby to just breathe through their mouth. Right. Yeah, it's like it's like the medical version of like a ba- a pair of like baby Jordans. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, like you see yeah, baby yeah. Sh- like cool baby sneakers. You're like, aww. Yeah. Hey, actually, a- though, the kids' arrow chambers have teddy bears on them. Oh, oh. That's so cute. I just started using an arrow chamber because I now don't have to use my aerosol mask anymore, and I want to know where I can get that because that sounds way cuter. Mm. Zay, had, uh, Zay had a blood uh, had a blood uh, blood drawn today, and uh, they gave her a little uh, finger puppet. Oh yeah, cover yeah, yeah. where they take yeah. the blood. From this is the the worst thing about the the medical system is how they make it unchildlike as you get older. Because that when everybody's sick, you okay, feel like a kid, and so why do they take? teddy bears off of things and like the color if you go into a hospital the walls are always like fucking beige I know. And at yellow chio is the children's hospital here in ottawa like there's murals in the rooms yeah. and everybody gets every week when you're in the hospital a blanket cart comes to your room with homemade blankets and you get to pick one the what I, like the iwk yeah. hold on who the fuck is making all those blankets it's called project lionel and it's people just sit and make blankets and donate them. Oh, that's to the so group. nice! So I know. Sweet. I have so many. <laughs> I was I was gonna say, how many do you have? <laughs> um, well, they do that at uh, like at the like when you have a when you have a baby at the IWK, they have like they come in with like a they come in with like a bunch of hats and you choose a hat, and uh, they're made by whoever people people. What was the one that, what, what was the one that you chose? What did it look like? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. It was uh, like a rainbow colored one. <laughs> rainbow colored was like had like a, a rim, just like a little nipple on the top. It was like long. <laughs> <laughs> See through. It's a condom. <laughs> um, I was like, what? <laughs> so, so you're you're diagnosed with asthma as a baby. 
Um, but you, you, you start to get older. I know that like being tested for CF is something that you've gone through. <laughs> <laughs> a few times. A few times, which is super weird to say. Yep. Um, at age seven, you're, yep. you're first, like, the, for the, yep. so what's the deal there? They're like, we can't figure out what the fuck's going on. Yeah. We think it's asthma, but it doesn't really present. So the reason I ended up being referred to a lung specialist is because I had pneumonia, I recovered from pneumonia, and then my x-rays still looked like I had pneumonia because my lungs had scarred. Mm. And usually with asthma, you don't get scarring like that. Whereas with something like CF or COPD or like any other sort of like progressive or chronic lung disease, you would see scarring like that. So that's why they decided to investigate further. Is pneumonia for kids, like, what's the deal when a, when a kid gets pneumonia? Is it, like... Cute. Hot? Yeah, is it cute? <laughs> is, it, is, it, is, is it cute, Aww. like, the thing that they put in there? Um, is, it, uh, is it higher risk? Like, is there a higher... Uh, is there, a, you know, are you... Are, 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 is the medical team on, like, high alert about a kid more than they would be about, like, you know, Jer getting CF maybe at 25 or something like that? I have no idea. I feel like, I mean, I don't know either, but I feel like, I do feel like as a kid, if you get anything like that, it's probably, it's probably, yeah, I mean, it's probably a little bit more chill. Like the older you get pneumonia, like a pneumonia for like an 80 year old man. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like that to yeah. me, that's like, that's, I feel like my general, my general that. sense of illness is that you've got this like bracket when you're like really young and this bracket when you're quite old right. where they're like. You're in yeah, these right. margins, we're like extra right. concerned. And then, you know, if you're in this like gigantic chunk of like from this age to that age, then we're, you know, less so. But yeah. So you get, you get tested for CF at seven years yeah. old. So they did, there's a blood test that you can do to look for mutations on the CFTR gene. They didn't find anything, but they did a sweat chloride test. Yes. So they measure essentially like how much salt is in your sweat and mine was negative for CF and the lung specialist had been so sure that I had CF that he thought that there was some sort of mistake and they repeated the <laughs> sweat chloride test right mm. which is not something that normally happens so so the sweat chloride test for people who don't know I just had to recently do one because in order for me to get on trikafta which is like a really really important medicine that just came available for people with CF totally life-changing. In order to get on that, you need to, like, have a chloride sweat test to um, kind of, con I guess, confirm that you yeah. have CF. Which is, is that so basically funny. just to measure how salty you are? Yeah, <laughs> yes. no, like, literally. Actually, so, yeah. so people with cystic fibrosis have three <laughs> to five times yeah. more sweat than your average human. Like, sweat in their, or sorry, salt, salt. salt in their sweat. So um, what they did was they, like, took a pack, like a, uh, a pouch, yeah. and they put it, like, on my arm, yeah. And there was, like, heat generating under that it's patch. It's got, like, electrodes or something. And then you leave it on for, like, half an hour. And it makes yeah. you sweat. And then once they have the sweat, they, they sort of, like, like, take a little pinprick of it and they put it in this little device. And the device is like a coil. And the coil fills. Yeah. And then once the coil is filled, kind of like, like watching a, a COVID test, <laughs> like, fill up. Once the coils are filled, it's like, yes, there's stupid amounts of salt <laughs> in this sweat. Mm. This person has CF. Now, you did this test. Yep. But it came back negative. Negative. And the, and the doctor was like, do it again. There's no yeah. fucking way. Like, she has CF. Yeah. It was still negative. So at that point, he was kind of like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> so I continued being seen by the lung specialist um, at CHEO, like, trying out different inhalers and medications. Um, but instead of getting better, I started getting worse. So mm. then... 
when I was 11 was the first time that I was actually admitted to the hospital. Mm. And, you, what, and what was the admission for? That was for walking pneumonia, which shouldn't put you in the hospital. Wait, mm. well, what's, what's Wa- that? Like, uh, like you could run a marathon with pneumonia <laughs> and smoke and chain smoking I mean, and be okay? <laughs> Maybe Uncle Chen. But, uh, probably not me. No, so there's like bacterial pneumonia and then there's like viral pneumonia. So walking pneumonia is contagious. It's kind of like a lot of people would refer to it as like a chest cold. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When, when I'm curious, like on that time leading up to the time between when you were seven and 11, um, what was your, what's your memory like of sort of navigating this experience of living with these, like going between hospitalizations and experience, like what, what was going through your mind or what, do you remember what you thought? Maybe this will jog I mean, your memory. Is this this is the this is the first admission? No, that's not. So that's the only. So like you know, when I was a kid, nobody had cell phones, so I don't have pictures of like me in the hospital and stuff mm. because my parents weren't bigging out like the big camera to take pictures when we're going to the hospital in the middle mm. of the night. Um, but this is a picture of me uh, after being in the ICU for the first time. Oh, wow. Um, and it was when my two little sisters were first able to visit me right. after I'd been moved to a regular room. So I would have been about 13 here. Oh, my God, the ICU at 13. Yeah. That's crazy. So you're yeah. in the the white shirt, and these are your yeah. sisters? my little sisters. One of them is here. Amazing. Hello, sis. Yep. Hey. <laughs> so your first admission is you were 11? Yep. And that admission was for this walking pneumonia. Mm-hmm. That clears up, I take it? Yep. Three years later, you're in the ICU. Two years. Two years later. Yeah. Right, sorry. So what is the... So there's actually before that. So when I was 13, I caught H1N1. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and that was really, like, if you, it, not very many people got it, but if you got it, it was real bad, right? Yes, or, especially if you're me. <laughs> yes. What is What is H1N1? It's a type of influenza, and at the time, uh, it was new. That was so swine flu, It was right? swine flu, yeah. yes. Like, when I got admitted to the hospital, my mom gave me a stuffed pig. <laughs> I so still have like it. 2000, what, 2007, <laughs> 8, 9? When did that yeah, happen? Yeah, somewhere around somewhere there. there. Yep, so I caught that. I was in the hospital for, like, I want to say a week and a half, and then I was released from the hospital, and then, like, less than 24 hours, I was back for, like, another week and a half. Um, because I had caught some sort of gastro illness while I was in the hospital for H1N1. Oh, Oh my God. You are so prone to it. I know. Crazy. So now I get to have my own private room at the hospital. (laughs) Which is pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's the same with me. It's one of the best parts of being in the hospital. Yeah. One of the best parts of having CF. <laughs> it is. I, I, I mean, no, like it truly is. Like when you have to share a hot, when you're admitted and you have to share a room a, with yeah. like four other people, yeah. it's fucking miserable. It is. You know, like you can't, there's no jerking off. Like, <laughs> I was like, 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 you know what I mean? Like, dude, when you, you said there's no and you paused and you looked at me and I was like, what's he going to say? <laughs> what's he going to say? But it's true. I, I'm surprised about that because like I understand that it's nice to have your <laughs> privacy, but it's got to be boring as, it is. as fuck. Like but on your, usually, on your own? if you're sick enough to be in the hospital, for me, like towards the tail end, I start to go a little bit mm. stir crazy. But usually, I'm just too sick to yeah. care. Especially in, in the beginning, you're just yeah. like you just really need to be yeah. there and like resting. Do you like when people like come visit you? Or oh yeah, I, yeah. I always love having visits. Yeah. 
So what was, maybe I missed this, but mm-hmm. why, were, why did you get admitted to the ICU at 13? So after I had swine flu, um, my lungs like didn't really go back to the way that they were before. So like before having swine flu, I was able to still do gym class like some of the time. Um, and afterwards I couldn't at all. And my asthma has always been worse in like the fall and in the spring when the weather's changing a lot. So that spring after I had had swine flu, um, I started having like my usual asthma attacks that I have that time of year, but they were like much, much worse to the Mm. point where like even just like walking out the door and like breathing fresh air was giving me an asthma attack. It it, sounds like CF. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that doctor was right. Right. So I maybe he wasn't. <laughs> I got it. Do you have CF? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we'll get there, or will we? <laughs> yeah. I, I wanted to ask, like, in it, you you mentioned gym class, and um, I know, like, being 13 years old and like going into school, if like if for whatever reason you like can't partake in class, it feels like socially kids are so curious that they're like and they have no filter so they're like why what are you, what's wrong with you why can't you and be see, involved i'm someone who i've never minded like talking about my health at all but i did get some comments that were like oh you're so lucky you don't have to do gym <laughs> meanwhile i'm like, like i get to yeah. sit in the office <laughs> yeah and do nothing <laughs> did, was it was it hard to not knowing like what was happening at the time because I imagine it's then even harder to explain like why you can't because you don't really have like for your admissions and everything you don't like you don't have a you don't have an answer you're they're not going oh you're back here because of the thing that we know that you've had since you were born I know and I remember like when I was in ICU like I was on like IV Ventolin (laughs) and like constant oxygen and masks and stuff and I like I remember like conversations being like hey we don't really know what's going on Mm. so like either it's going to make a turn for the better or it's going to make a turn for the worse and like the sense I got was like if it takes a turn for the worse we kind of don't know (laughs) what we're going to do because we don't know what's going on so moving moving on then in like the chronological order Mm -hmm. here you, I know that like there came a point where they were just like, we don't know what the fuck is going on with this woman. Yeah. We're trying to sort it out. Yeah. Um, they send you for tons of tests. Yeah. You go to Toronto. Yeah. So I was in the ICU again a year later at 14 and my lung specialist, he was the head of the lung department at CHEO already, but he had all of the other specialists there see me as well just to see if like a different perspective would help. Um, I did every test he could think of, and then I went to Toronto and did every test they could think of. At you did like a kids. full body MRI, did you not? When I was sixteen, they did a full body MRI. <laughs> Whoa, like that's and, heavy. That's heavy. Like, like MRIs yeah. in general. How long was that? Was it a long time uh, in the it machine? Was, I it was between one and two hours. Wow. Yeah, and it's like it's such a jarring experience being in the MRI. Like, that was my first MRI. Like, I, I, I had an MRI for the first time, of, uh, I guess it would be about three years ago, and I, I've seen pictures of MRIs, like people in them, and you know, I just think like, oh, they're in the thing, and the thing is just uh, silent, and it does its thing, yeah. and then you get in one, and it's like, anything not but silent. silent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so loud. It's so loud. And like, it's, so, it's, like, it's like watching a Christopher Nolan film in IMAX, yes. where you're like, <sighs> yeah. Why like, is this I'm, so overwhelming? You can like feel your blood pressure rising. Yeah. yeah. I'm not claustrophobic, 
at all. Like usually the opposite. Like I like like being in like a nice confined space, but like that's very very close Super to intense. you, and you mm. can't move your head to right. like see where the rest of the room. Yeah. So it really feels like you're in a box. So they someone's do, like, don't move, don't move, don't move, don't fucking move. They, they, <laughs> they, did, they, they, did, they, did they say it like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, dude, Jesus it's Christ. really Not aggressive. at the children's Holy hospital. Fuck, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like, don't! <laughs> you little shit! <laughs> Stop crying! Um, so they do a full body MRI, which like, to me, it's like, you do a full body MRI, they're going to find shit that's wrong with you that, that what isn't even wrong with you. Like, yeah, well, that's like, exactly what happened. They found, like, an ovarian cyst, and then they booked me Whoa. for an ultrasound a month later, and it was gone, so they were like, it's probably nothing. What the fuck? <laughs> so, so, at, so at that time, 16, full-body MRI, they actually, I, I mean, aside from the cyst, they actually don't come to any conclusion. Like, no. CF is still out the window. So at that point, I They're was... They're still running on asthma. Yeah, at that point, I was diagnosed with osteoporosis, but... That was because of all of the steroids I'd been taking. Oh so, like, God. starting Whoa. when I was, like, 12-ish, I started having to take prednisone every day. So, you've been on prednisone? I have, yeah, but not, not like, long-term. Yeah. Um, when I was on it, I actually loved it. It was kind of fun. But I know that when you're on it, like, there's, like, there's, there's like a spectrum of, like, this is fun, this is fun, this What's is fun. What's the fun part? Yeah. The fun part is, um, is it, it made me feel like I was a pregnant woman. <laughs> Um, because when I was on prednisone, I'd be like walking around and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I need, I need <laughs> waffles covered in ice cream with ketchup all over it. And like, yeah. you were like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like you just have these crazy cravings. Honestly, if oh, you look up the symptom, the side effects for prednisone, it's so funny. It's like everything you could possibly think of. There's like weight gain, weight loss, yeah. insomnia, hypersomnia. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Every spectrum of everything. I think the spectrum changes once you start getting like moon face. Do you get moon face? Yeah. No, I, no. Oh, like, yeah. I, I was only no, no, on it for, but for a few weeks. You get moon, like people get moon yeah. face. Yes. That's I think like that's the coolest that like sounding a swelling, thing. Like a facial swelling? Yes. Is you think moon face is cool sounding? I think it's really sad sounding. It no, sounds cool. I didn't say is cool. No, no, I know. But the sound <laughs> of it is not. Like the, like the sound, like... I feel like it's so sad. It's like you have a moon face. <laughs> no way. It's the opposite. Your it's, face is just no, round and moony. No, it's yeah. it's you have a moon face. Like it's more exciting. Yeah, when it's really all in how you say it. Yeah, that's, I guess it, I guess it is. That's all your in the, internal the way you voice. Say it. Yeah, because I say it like this: moon face. And I go and you're moon like, face. Moon face. Yeah. But but for me, I think of the man in the moon, the book, like the childhood, and that like, guy is happy. That yeah yeah. You know what? He's he's masking. That guy's sad. <laughs> He has a no, fucking moon face, no, dude. No, no, he goes to therapy and he's happy. <laughs> and because the cow yeah. jumps over the moon yeah. and he gets to watch that literally every night. Yeah. Do you think we could happen. keep this going <laughs> longer? I'm interested. <laughs> so, okay, so MRI 16, nothing's found. We're still kind of going, we have no idea. Emily's just yeah. fucked. Like, we, we don't know. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about one thing that I that I find interesting to talk about with people who have been like suffering from something at a young age and like chronically suffering. The transition from the children's hospital to the adult clinic or the adult <laughs> hospital. I think like for people who don't have never like had this experience. Um, I used to work for an organization that uh, that that ran yoga teacher trainings and as a part of, like, the application for the training process. I don't know why they asked this. Now that I think about it, I'm like, well, that's kind of fucked up. But they would ask people, like, what's the hardest thing you've ever been, uh, that's ever happened to you in your life? And I was the one that had to, like, read through the applications. And it was really interesting, that question, 
um, because there was like like ninety percent of the answers to that question was uh, the hardest thing I ever had to do in my entire life was transition from high school to university. So I left my hometown of X and moved to a new city of X. And that transitionary period was really scary and really tough. And when I would read those answers, that's interesting. All I could think about was, um, which I had gone through that, and and it there was there was a, an element of that, like moving from going from like Wolfville, Nova Scotia to Toronto for university. That was that was an intense period of transition. But what was much more like um, scary. And, and like unnerving was the transition from the IWK, the Children's Hospital in Halifax, to the QE2, the adult clinic, the CF clinic. Um, it, was a re- it was really hard, you know? And the, and, the, and the thing that made that hard for people who haven't like gone through that process, if you haven't dealt with illness, that transition is where you go from, you know, the hospital experience is you and your mom and your dad, or you and your, your, like your primary caretaker, and they're there holding your hand the whole time. And, the, and you know, like we said earlier, there's... there's really cute murals on the walls and it's it's like it it even though it's a place you don't want to be there's like a, there's a playroom and a there, movie yeah theater there's a happiness like to that space they're like trying they can, to make you feel very at home they can provide a sense of excitement there you feel like you still have the opportunity to get a children's wish <laughs> yeah yeah and then as soon as you turn fucking dumb, adult dude. yeah, yeah. that's it no more wishes wish. so so when you do make that you transition you go to this hospital that's like bland and less like friendly and um it's like more sterile and more cold and also mom and dad aren't there like you it's the first time that you are an adult you're alone and that sense of like loneliness um that sense of autonomy that you don't even know what to do with is really fucking jarring so kind of curious like about your transition from children's hospital to adult hospital but i also know that like within that experience (laughs) There's kind of an interesting little yeah, story. Yeah, there was some wild, insane thing that happened, which is really unusual Weird for me. Weird for you. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I think there's a difference in mentality when you're at a children's hospital when you're at an adult hospital. So at Chio, they were doing everything they could to figure out what was wrong. They couldn't figure it out, so then they tried to do everything they could so that I could live a somewhat normal life. So for me, that was taking steroids every day, and then I also... Like, at the point after I was in ICU the second time, my doctor kind of was like, okay, it's time that, like, these these options we've tried aren't working. We need to do something more drastic. So we were given the option of, like, um, doing monthly plasma um, infusions, doing, like, a very specific kind of chemotherapy, or doing monthly solumedrol infusions. So solumedrol is another steroid. And we opted for the solumedrol. So starting when I was about 15, I was doing solumedrol every month in the medical daycare. And these are all like, we don't know what you have. Yeah. So we're just going to do these things and kind of cross our fingers that one of them Sticks. starts to make you improve. Yeah. Be- between, and it did. Between those three choices, like yeah. what, like, can you sort of describe like what the, what the pros and cons were of each one and why you decided to go with the solumedrol? We went with the solumedrol because... Um, every time that I was admitted to the hospital, I had solumedrol. And there was always a period of like a month or two where I was like normal, quote unquote. Like I could ride a bike and like 
go for a walk and things like that. So we were like, we know that this works because I've had it before. And then our thought was like, okay, well, if that doesn't work, we'll go to one of the other two because I'd mm. never tried either. Mm -hmm. So you, you're doing this treatment plan. Yep. It seems to be working. Yep. You make the transition to the adult hospital. Yep. <laughs> and somebody at this adult hospital makes a decision that yeah. maybe so, costs him a lot more than he wanted. Yeah. So when I was preparing to transition from the care of my lung specialist to another lung specialist at um, the adult hospital, uh, I was told by my CHEO lung specialist that like I could continue doing my treatments at CHEO until I was set up through the adult system. And my lung specialist was setting me up through the adult system. And then a couple of months after I turned 18, I went to my appointment at CHEO to get my infusion and walked in the door and was told, no, like we can't treat you. You're old enough now and you should have had it set up at the the adult hospital by now. So their hospitals are actually right next to each other. So I went mm. over to the other hospital and went over to my lung specialist's office and was like, yo, <laughs> what what's the, the deal? Need yeah. it. Yeah. Need it now. Um, and he essentially was like, well, you know, I'm not really sure that you need this. Whoa. And you had been, you had been on it for... For at least three years at yeah. that point. And, it's, and it was... Working. Yeah. For all intents and purposes, it was like yeah. doing its job. And I remember at one point, he's, I was like trying to like be like, no, like <laughs> I actually do. And he was like, well, like let's just see how you do without it. And I remember being like, I know how I do without it. I've been in intensive care multiple times. Like this is not going to go well. And I was like crying and like hyperventilating. And he was like, oh, I feel bad. And you're like, yeah. yeah. So do something <laughs> yeah. about it. Because yeah. like, if, if you were going to, if you were going to do that, if you were going to experiment with going off that drug, yeah. Like, okay, that's maybe one conversation. Yeah. That should at least take place once you've like made the transition into yep. the adult system. You have some experience yep. with that, and like you've sort of settled into that. Not new... like the day I'm supposed to be doing the yeah, treatment. Not yeah. because Everything of an administrative administrative error. Like not because of that. Yeah. Right. Sorry. Not because of an administrative right. error. Right. Yes. Yeah. 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 Definitely. But so, that. But but that for him for for that to be something that gets brought up. Yeah. The first time that you are dealing with you know. Yeah. So his compromise for me was okay. Well, you can come in to the hospital every day for the next two weeks to do a pulmonary function test and we'll watch your lung function. So I was a senior in high school and I got to go to the hospital every day to do a pulmonary Whoa. function every test. Every day? For two weeks, yeah. So I went the next day and like did the test. It was fine. I went back the day after and did the pulmonary function test and the respiratory therapist was like, um, I have to take you to the ER. Oh, shit. Oh, my Whoa. God. Wow, that quick. Yeah. And a, P and a pulmonary function test, like when I see somebody do, I've seen Jer, I've seen like a video of Jer doing a PFT, and it looks exhausting. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and, and, I, and it looks it exhausting is, it from my perspective. It gives me asthma attacks to And do I'm assuming yeah. for, if you have a lung issue, that yeah. it's like, it really, does it like, does it fuck you up for the day or more? Well, it does because like even just taking Ventolin, which is what you take when you have an asthma attack, like it makes you shaky and like tired and it's exhausting and it kind of like throws, yeah, it does. Mm -hmm. For people who don't know a, a PFT test, you take this device and you... Very phallic. You in, they lock you in a glass box first though. You inhale 
as as hard as you can, and then you breathe your entire lungs out into the thing. I actually love and PFC it's, tests. It's so crazy. Honestly, <laughs> like I went, for me, it's like it, for I, me, it's a competition. I, with I went. Myself. I went with Jer, and it, I felt like we were at the Olympics, and I was his yeah. coach or a fan. It's the it's and the he was, and he was yeah. like yeah. one of the others. He was getting like jacked up, and yeah. then like yeah, and then he just did the biggest blow. It's, it's the fucking blow Olympics. And then, yeah, and, and then like you're, you're only competing against yourself. But the good thing is you get to you get a couple tries, so it's like you it's do. like long yeah. jump, right? Like yeah, the, yeah, it's not yeah. your it's not like your your first one. Like you get yeah. a few tries. You take your best. You take it's, your best shot. Right. Yeah. yeah so yeah. you're just like yeah, it's so exciting. Yeah, but there, you know what should be not exciting is when you blow really bad. Yep. And right. like, yeah, yeah. Fuck. So I was like, okay, where's the ER? And she was like, no, no, no. Like, I'm getting a wheelchair. I have to take you to the ER. So Whoa. this is because your oh lung function from day one to day two had been had so drastically so different. Much. Do you yeah. remember, like, what your FEV1 was? I or like what? don't remember, but I remember that I, I had written, like, a post about it that day, and I went and looked at it, and it, it was something like, I think it was, like, 15% lower right. wow. the wow. next day. Holy shit. Now, is, is this from that, uh, that time in the ER? That's not, no. Okay. But that's probably what it looked like. I mean, like. it probably looked like this, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was like 15% lung function, a decrease. No, so of- it's the 15% FEV, which is like your forced exhale volume. So like when they're talking about blow as hard as you can, I wasn't able to blow all of the air out of my lungs, and that's because there's like mucus and stuff in the way, and mm. there's air trapped. Okay. Yeah. So this happens. Yep. This is because you yep. stopped. You didn't go for the treatment yep. that the doctor was like, you don't fucking need yep. this. You're a grown lady. So in the ER, the ER doctor comes in and is like, yeah, we're going to have to admit you. And I was like, no, you don't have to admit me. You have to give me a dose of solumedrol. Yeah, right. And like, I explained everything that happened. And he was like, oh, okay. So like, normally I would receive, I don't know the exact dose, but like whatever dose for three days. So what they did was they did an IV and they gave me the dose and then I went back to the ER the next two and third day. Right. And, got, and then I got a call saying, okay, your treatments are set up from now on. And when I went to the next treatment, the nurses were like, who did you get to call? Because this came from like really high up <laughs> in the hospital. Like the health minister of Canada was like, yeah. get this girl in. Yeah. And I also got a call saying, uh, your new lung specialist at the adult hospital is no longer practicing medicine. Oh, wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. So, got him fucking fired. I didn't (laughs) report anybody, but I know that my lung specialist from the children's hospital was really angry on my behalf. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he had something to do with that. (laughs) That's so interesting. What's your relationship? With the medical system, like like after going through experiences like this, like do, do you feel good about your journey? Do you feel like how do you feel about it? Um, there have been a lot of times where like I've fallen through a lot of cracks in the system, and there are a lot, and it's very lacking. And even like when Jeremy was talking about trichafka earlier, I don't qualify for that, but like almost ninety percent of people with cystic fibrosis do, and it's extremely inaccessible still. Yeah. And has been for years. So, like, oh, also, I'm on an injection right now that costs, like, $4,000 every two months, and it's not covered by OHIP. Oh, my God. Yeah. That is prohibitively prohibitively yeah. expensive. Yeah. Holy shit. But- I, can, I can very easily see, like, I've never... I, I just have had so little experience in the medical system that, like... But I've heard, obviously, a lot of stories on the... Like, doing the podcast of, you know, people who have had... 
you know, some really amazing experiences with the medical system, and those are amazing to hear. And then you also hear the other side of that, is, you know, um, the stories of, you know, I, I saw a thousand people, I, have, I had to advocate for myself mm -hmm. for years, and mm -hmm. then, like, the thing that I was, you know, pretty convinced I had, you know, at year one, I found out at year 10 that I was right, and yep. that sort of thing. And, um, and I just had a baby, and... You know, she's she's eight months now, and there's, like, you know, these, like, tiny little things that you're going to see the doctor for and everything. And I can very easily – I'm starting to, like, very easily see how, like, the communication from, like, the family doctor mm -hmm. to the specialist to yep. the, this clinic and that clinic is, like – I mean, the amount of times that, like, we've called to, like, yep. make sure that referrals were sent mm -hmm. and, like, it did get sent, but it never got received. And, like, yep. we have this record. We, yep. And it's, like, I'm, like, holy shit. And these are, these are minor kind of, like, run-of-the-mill things – and then when you start getting into like an experience like yours where you've had just like a thousand things. I'm actually on the child and youth um, advisory board for the children's hospital now. So like, yeah. like just like, and what does that entail? So right now, like we have essentially like trying to make the hospital better. So like right now our big project is like building some sort of medical history tool for patients and families to have so that... Um, they don't have to repeat everything that's ever happened to them over and over and over. Like yes. one, like one record. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. that's always been like one yeah. of the most fascinating things to me about our yeah. like about the record system is like how everything needs to get sent around and yeah. and it's not it's not in this and, and I don't know maybe there is some type of argument for why that works. I don't know what it is, but um, that seems crazy to me. Well, it looks like we just crossed 5 million podcasts in the world, so it is with some humility that I introduce mine, Kelly Corrigan Wonders. Once a week, we share heart-to-hearts with smart, good people like Brian Stevenson, Anna Quinlan, Father Greg Boyle, talking about how we treat each other, how we treat ourselves, and how we might do both better. Kelly Corrigan Wonders is a podcast for people who like to laugh while they think and aren't afraid of feelings. Join us for Kelly Corrigan Wonders. So I know that, you know, at this point in the conversation, you know, you're like in your 18, 19, 20 years old sort yeah. of area. You've transitioned to the adult hospital. You've been diagnosed or like tested for CF a number of times, but it's always come up negative. 20 years old, you get <laughs> finally diagnosed with cystic fibrosis. For real? The first time. Sort of. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I saw an ear, nose, and throat specialist who said, you know, like, your history with sinus issues and, like, lungs, it really sounds like CF, so I'm going to do a blood test. So the blood test found, first of all, an immune deficiency. So they referred me to an immunologist. The immunologist then did another test and found two mutations on the CFTR gene. Now, normally, so everybody has a CFTR gene, and the, if you have mutations on that gene, that's what causes CF. Yeah. But my two mutations were recently discovered and very rare. Right. So for, yeah, right. Because for people who don't know, like, I have the Delta F508 mutation. Everybody knows you have the Delta 508 mutation. Mm. Is yeah. the Delta F508? F508. F508. Which is the most common genetic mutation of CF that exists. But there's like, there's hundreds of there mutations. Yeah, thousands. there's thousands of mutations yeah. that can happen, and some of them don't cause anything. Right, right. Like, that's why you see people that are diagnosed with CF in their 40s yeah. or something like that, right? 
Did you ever have di- like uh, digestive stuff? Not really. So that's another thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because like CF usually would affect like lungs, sinuses, and like pancreas. Mm. But I didn't really have like the pancreas piece. So I go to the CF clinic having these results and I'm told that I have cystic fibrosis. Whoa. I'm given pamphlets. I, set, I got set up with a dietitian, a social worker, respiratory therapist, all of this stuff. And then they're like, we're just waiting for the sweat chloride results to come in right now. And you're like, yeah. I've already done this shit. That's going to be next. Been there, done that. So then they come back in the room and they're like, yeah, your sweat chloride's normal, so you don't have CF. <laughs> Whoa. So what? I have CF for you 20 minutes. You diagnose a CF and five minutes later, they're yeah. like, sorry. That, yeah. that's like, give it, get, those pamphlets aren't free. Give those back. But, were you, <laughs> but, what, but what, about the, what about the mutations? Like, wh- why are They just, so essentially what they landed on was like, we can't diagnose you with CF, but we can diagnose you with like a CFTR-related disorder, which means we don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> or like you got half CF, or you yeah. got like... Right, I call yeah, it right like atypical CF. Yeah. Right. Right. But, but what... what it, like I, 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 really, <laughs> I really can't understand... Um, I, I like... Um, I feel like, I feel like my, my way of connecting with a person is through trying to empathize and, and put myself in their shoes of what it's, what, it, what it's like to be in that situation. And I find it really difficult to understand because it's such a fucking roller coaster. Like it's, yeah. it's yeah. like bad news, okay news, bad news, okay news. Um, so what is it really, like can you try to describe like what it's like getting that diagnosis of cystic fibrosis and the feeling that goes with that and then the feeling that comes with the reversal of that, you know, like five minutes later. That's not the only time that something like that has happened either. Like, there have been times where they're, like, really, really sure that this is it. This is the thing. And then it's not. Like, and it almost, like, it gets harder each time because, you know, you, like, try not to... It's it's this weird place to be in because normally, like, a normal person would not be hoping for this test to be positive for this terrible disease. But... When you don't know what's wrong, you kind of are because, like, you want an answer, whatever the answer happens to be. So it sucks to be, like, really hopeful yeah. about, like, finally knowing. And I mean, there, there, comes like, a, there comes jokes. a point where, like, getting a diagnosis is a fucking relief. Yes, totally. exactly. You know, it's like yeah. you at least have a fucking answer. Yeah. And at this point, you're given answers and they're taken away from you. I also, at this point, was diagnosed with CVID, which is not COVID. <laughs> it's an immune deficiency. Um but then they were like, "Oh wait, actually, you don't have that." J.K. Yeah. <laughs> what? I, but but I. So they think I, that all this stuff is, or they're they're saying that you have this mutation, and we are, you know, hypothesizing that all of these issues, these myriad of issues that you've had throughout your life, are connected to this mutation. Yeah. But it's not. But we don't think it's. But like, we don't really know, yeah. and there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> So oh this this picture here, uh, yeah. you look like you're in a uh, looks like you're in a uh, the ER. Yeah. So yeah? Nice. this is actually from last year. I was in the ER for an asthma attack. Okay, and then uh, <laughs> run and then of the mill. This is uh, kind of a cute little uh, little thing here. I got those here. for Christmas last year. Those are my spare lungs for when mine suck. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they look so confused. Um, <laughs> is a um, what's what's going on here? This is uh, <laughs> I mean we're looking at for people that are just listening at home. Uh, it's Jesus Christ <laughs> looking down at you while you're looking at up at him with a mask on, and he looks like he's holding a bag of ice. But I don't know what is that. I think I I think 
I was holding that. I don't know if it was like a blanket or what. Got you. But okay. Yeah, I, I was going into surgery and <laughs> I sent this picture to my friends and was like, don't worry, guys, I'm in good hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Lord, the Lord. So, so okay, you know, the story so far, we're up to, we're up to the age of... 20, you get yeah. diagnosed with CF. They say, psych. Yeah. Uh, you don't have CF. You're, st- you're back to square one. We don't know what the fuck's going However, on with you. <laughs> at this point, I started taking a drug called Fizenra. And it's an injection every two months. It's a biologic. So you may have heard of like Zolaire or Dupixent. It's another version of those. So this one, it lowers your xenophils, your eosinophils, which cause inflammation in the body. So essentially lowers the ability for your body to have inflammation. And for me, that means I don't really have asthma attacks. You just Very sounded cool. like okay. the commercial during Price is Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a lot don't about Zenra. Don't take this I, while you're taking a shit. And now I no longer have asthma. Um, well, that's when I was able to actually stop treatments properly. And it because I'd been taking prednisone for to- so long, like if you take prednisone for even like a few weeks, you have to slowly taper off of yes. it, right? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. yeah. So for me, it took two years wow. to, to taper. To wean off it? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. That's like trying to get off nicotine. And I was like in withdrawal. Yeah. Like I was having like joint pains. I could barely yeah. walk. Like it was rough. Okay, so this is all quite unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it seems <laughs> like your luck couldn't get any lower. Joke's uh, on you. <laughs> but it did. Uh, in 2019, so yeah. one thing that we haven't, I mean, you mentioned at the very top, but you're a photographer. Yeah. yeah you take, so. I mean, you take extraordinarily lovely photos. I, I kind of want to look Thank at a you. few of these here. Yeah. Um, and like truly, like the, some of these are fucking amazing. Uh, so that's a, is that a portrait of you? It's a self-portrait, yeah. yeah. So when I was in high school, I, I fell in love with photography. I started doing self-portraits, and it was something that I could do whether I was sick or not. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. this. Yeah, you'd be sick as shit right yeah. here. We wouldn't know. Yeah. This, uh, this is a really cool one. Yeah. Oh, is that girl okay? So like, like for people who don't know like how, you know, some of the tricks of photography, like you're obviously not hanging from a tree 500 No, I'm not. Up. Actually, my little sister who's in the audience took this picture technically <laughs> because I had her like stand and be the button pusher while I like jumped and like tried to get the right pose. And then and the then rest like, of it is just like yeah. editing magic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, another really cool one there. Yep. Very beautiful. I love that photo. That's, a, that's <laughs> so such a nice photo. Both the, of these are like really, really like just, just majestic. Yeah. So both of these photos were taken in an abandoned building. <laughs> ah. So <laughs> ah. We, you know what? Our last photo shoot was in an abandoned building too. And while we were in that abandoned building, the cops came and they were like, what the fuck are you doing in this I've fucking building? I've never had that happen. And we were like, oh, it's okay. We're just taking photos. And they're like, no, you shouldn't be in there. You could get hurt. And we went, you can't get hurt in there. <laughs> If you don't believe it. Well, and then the building collapsed. (laughs) Okay, so I, in high school, started going into abandoned buildings to do these self-portraits, okay? So there's this one house that I love. It's this pink house. I've been going to it literally for like 10 years. I go there all the time and take pictures there. And sometimes I go up to the top floor and climb out the window onto the roof, right? As one does. Sure. Yeah been doing that for years. I have pictures of me on that roof in high school. Here's a picture from that roof right here. Yeah. That hole wasn't there. 
until uh, November 6th, 2019, when I decided to go take a picture on the roof. So I was actually there with a friend, and she was taking pictures in the house, and I said, I'm going to go out on the roof. And she was like, don't do that. That's a really stupid idea. You're going to fall off. And I was like, I'm not going to fall off. I'm not going to go anywhere near the edge. It's fine. Yeah, and you were right. You didn't fall off. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Right? (laughs) So I, like, set up my camera on my tripod, like, get the settings right, and I set it to, like, uh, like a 10 second timer and then I'm like crouched and I'm trying to get over to the other side of the roof and then I heard a cracking noise <laughs> and I landed on the in like essentially what used to be the front porch of the house so you fell oh. through the roof I not did off fall the through roof. the roof yeah so technically I did not fall off because I was smart and stayed in the middle That's of right. the yeah. abandoned building's roof now Were this you, photo here yeah so down in the bottom left there, you see that wood beam? Yeah. That's the hole. So what happened was when I fell, it knocked the camera onto its side and it took this picture. <laughs> <laughs> the moment That's you sweet. fell through the roof, this is the photo that came out of it. Yeah. This is the hole you fell through. From below, yeah. This is the hole that you fell through. Yep. That... This is kind of so, where you yeah. landed. So see that like stick right there? That's where I landed. And you'll notice that it's about two to three feet away from a pile of couch cushions. So close. <laughs> Didn't land on those, that's for sure, nope. because <laughs> this is what it looked like where you landed. Oh, fuck. Yeah, that's uh, me. That man is a paramedic, not a cyclist that looks like Taylor yeah. uh, so on a I ride. Fell, that's what like, I wear. <laughs> I landed on my butt, and I was like, I had a lot of pain really low in my back, so I was like, I think I broke my tailbone. But to be safe, can you call an ambulance? <laughs> so then the paramedics show up, I'm going through some of my medical history. I'm like, hey, I think I broke my tailbone. They're this like, do you have any diseases we should know of? And you're like, <laughs> asthma, COPD, cystic fibrosis, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, fucking, you name it, I got it. Yeah. But I don't. <laughs> but I do? JK? I don't know. No Depends one knows. on the day, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think that they agreed with me when I explained to them that I thought I broke my tailbone because they tried to stand me up which went very poorly. It was extremely painful. So then I got to go on a backboard. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and they got me to the hospital, uh, got to wear that cool neck brace, got a CAT scan, and they were like, yeah, you crushed your spine. (laughs) Oh, no. Whoa. Yeah. Broke your back. I did. I crushed the L1 vertebrae, so literally like smashed into pieces, and some of the pieces were in my spinal cord. Oh, my God. That's really dangerous, though. Yes. Right? So I still had like... (laughs) Feeling. Yeah, yeah, dude, that's very dangerous, right? I'm a doctor, but... <laughs> it's very dangerous. Oh, dude, that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> because, well, oh, I mean, I, I could explain bad it to you, dude. but I thought I, would let, I thought I would let her explain it. But, I mean, I know everything about it. And I, could, I could go into detail. I could go into detail far beyond the level of what this crowd would be capable of understanding. But I'll save it for the layperson to explain. <laughs> Go yeah, ahead, please. So <laughs> I had feeling in my legs still and I could move my feet and stuff, but I couldn't feel um, like they do a test where like they poke you with something sharp and then they poke you with something dull and I couldn't quite feel the difference between those things. I also uh, couldn't pee. Where were they so, where are they poking you? Like in on, the le- along your legs to right. see if 
you could still feel. So, like, I, I couldn't pee when I broke my pelvis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They were really, they were concerned about did it. Did you, did yeah. they have to catheterize They did, you? yeah. They did, okay, yeah. ouchie. Um, I, like, that, that, that thought of, like, laying in a hospital bed mm-hmm. and having healthcare professionals poking your legs and you not having the ability to define yeah. a sharp poke from a dull poke, like, that's, that's a horror film. You know, like, that's a real-life horror film. That's actually scary. That's far scarier than Freddy Krueger. And so, what, like, what did you, when they were, you know, when they're doing that test, what's going through your mind? Like, how do you, how do you feel, like, in that moment, you're like, well, fuck, never going to walk again. Well, two things. First of all, I was really high. When you break your spine, they will give you some really great drugs. Oh, not because you were just like smoking a spliff on the roof being like, set up the camera. Actually, in the, this is just a tangent, but in the ambulance, they couldn't get an IV because like I've had so many IVs and my veins suck now. Um, So they sprayed fentanyl up my nose. Oh, Oh, wow. I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. I didn't either. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Does that Uh, work like immediately? I don't I would know. Say, I you, would say so, yeah. Were you in, like, excruciating yeah. pain? I wasn't, because I'm terrified of needles. And I was like, you don't have to give me an IV. I'm fine. And he was like, you need pain medicine. And I was like, no, I don't. Wow. <laughs> Just but, my spine. But hold on. So Did because, you need pain medicine? And yes. you were, like, pushing it off? So I have a portacath. Right. So I wanted to wait till we got to the hospital till they could access my port properly. I didn't want to have to get an IV. Oh, so they could, they could, the paramedics can't do that. No, they don't have the right kind of needles. Oh, interesting. Yeah. I never knew that. Yeah. That's fascinating. They said, like, they can, but, like, the type of needles they have will, like, wreck the port. Like, you'll need surgery right, to replace right. it so Certain they don't gauge. do that. Oh, yeah. interesting. Why do they make it a trap door? Like, why do they make it so difficult to access? Because Yeah, you'd be... think it's, like, it's just, like, a fucking USB-C kind of thing, you know? It's, <laughs> it's like, not. Yeah, we're all yeah. moving to USB-C, including <laughs> the ports. Make it mandatory. <laughs> Pop your iPhone in there and get the fentanyl. Actually, in. I figured it out on my own, though. It's because then you could just put your own stuff in, for sure. <laughs> That actually, <laughs> it's, that actually it's is right. You're, yeah, yeah, you might be onto something there. We'll ninety percent, ninety percent on Wednesday episode. Yeah. So, first of all, I was really high. Second of all, I have complex PTSD, partially from like medical trauma, right? Totally. So for me, that means that I dissociate when I'm stressed or triggered. So I was not there. Yeah, you, yeah, you're. <laughs> I was just gone. Yeah, you're flying. Yeah, high. like a lot of my memories of being in the hospital, being in ICU and stuff. It's like I'm watching from above. Mm-hmm. Because I, that's how your brain protects you, right? Yeah. Do you do you go to uh, therapy to talk about that? I would love to. It's extremely inaccessible. Yeah. What? Which is why I work in mental health. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm still like yeah. I I yeah. actually just this year got a case manager from the Canadian Mental Health Association whose job is to try uh, and find services for yeah, me because yeah. yeah. So you. Oh, you... also, I'm applying for a service dog. Oh, Whoa. yeah. Yay. Sweet. Yeah. That's fun. Cool. Mm-hmm. Man. I hope they're well trained. Um, <laughs> so you crush your spine yep. in the uh, L1. In the L1. Yep. Lumbar spine, all fucky. Yeah. Um, what's this? Okay. So they did a surgery the next day. They removed all the little pieces of bone that were just like floating around. Oh, God. <laughs> and then they put in two titanium rods and they would have. They fused four vertebrae, so there would have been like eight screws, like one for e- like four in each rod. But yeah. because I had crushed the vertebrae, there wasn't that much bone left, so they were only able to put three screws in one of the sides. So I had two rods and seven screws. 
There's a photo yeah. of the x-ray right there. It looks So very... you see the one with the smaller screw? Yeah. That's obviously the one that's broken. You can tell because it looks like it's crushed. Right. Uh, they, they could only fit it, one screw in that vertebrae. What do they do? Like, what do they, I mean, do you just not have an L1 now? Or do you have, a, you have like something? Uh, I still have it. Like, that piece of bone is still there. It's just, I'm shorter now. <laughs> if you get cremated, oh. you'll get to, well, you won't, but your family <laughs> <laughs> will get to have that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you'll get to. We actually talked about that the other day, and uh, oh, I got to wear to this really cool brace here. Yeah, so so like, what's the deal with this? This brace, uh, <laughs> which looks like a piece of like bullet, like bulletproof armor from like okay. the medieval days with so, the cool straps. You know how I was talking about how I've fallen through these cracks in the medical system? I was in the hospital because I broke my spine, and they were like, "Okay, you're all good to go. You can leave." So I go to the lobby. Um, my mom goes outside to pay for parking, and then I get a call on my phone from the hospital. So I answer it, and they're like, uh, yeah, we need you to come back up here. You haven't left yet, have you? <laughs> so I go back up, and they're like, yeah, so you know how we put like the rods and the screws in and stuff? They're still kind of moving around, so we need you to wear this brace for two months. <laughs> two oh, months. But you door. have to pay for it up front before we'll start making it. Making it will take a few days. Oh, and my it's over $1,000. What Whoa. the fuck? But if you can't afford that, we can apply to have ODSP cover it, but it might take them a week to get back to us. So what? So what's the the course of action then? Just, like, wait Someone in the hospital? Someone started a GoFundMe for me. Oh, man. Yeah. Wow. And, like... You know, like I said, like I'm a photographer. I work with youth, and I live in a really small town. I'm also on the like community association for that town. So they posted it in a community group, and it was like a couple hours, and it was Sweet. full. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. that's amazing. Yeah, that's so great. So I got to leave the hospital after like three days instead of like a yeah. week and a half. Mm-hmm. Now, We're, is bowling a good idea with a back brace and uh, you know freshly I broken have back? A lot There's of a lot good of rotation ideas. in bowling. Yeah. I also went skating. Oh, you yeah. just don't give a fuck. You, you. gotta keep living. <laughs> don't just keep living. So These stickers, though. Says. So, like I said, I work at a youth center, and they all made me little stickers to decorate my brace. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. Um, before the uh, before the show started, uh, you you came up to me. You're like, by the way, check out my <laughs> latest tattoo. Uh, I love this. It's a house burning on fire with a hole in the roof. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Did you, you go back to it and light the house on fire? Well, I did actually, not. However, you know that meme where it's like the dog sitting in the room and everything's on fire? It's yeah. Like, this is fine. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that kind of describes like my whole life. Yeah. Mm. So, I, like, I do want to say, though, these photos that I showed earlier, yeah. um, if, I, if, I re- if I have a, a yeah. correct recollection here, these were taken after the incident. You went back. I did, yeah. Yeah. I had to go How'd back. How did you get this fucking shot? Well, I went up into the bedroom. Because, like, I just climbed out the bedroom window onto that roof, so I just went up you to the bedroom. You climbed up again. I didn't go back you on the roof. S- you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I just stood in the window. Yeah, I just climb up again. I fell through once. I, can't I didn't go times. on the roof. I was on the floor, which yeah. is What are the odds of it happening Completely again? structurally yeah. sound. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's like, it, it, I again, like, I started this whole conversation with, like, the you know, talking about your luck being really, <laughs> you just having like a low luck rating on the RPG scale. Yeah. Um, you, you <laughs> go through this and, and like, we're, we're slow, we're coming up to time here, but yeah. uh, the, the, the back, you go through back surgery. Yeah. 
things, in November 2019. 2019. Things, and then I'm supposed to have like follow-ups, right? To yeah. x-ray, make sure things are good. And my last follow-up with x-rays was scheduled for the end of March 2020. A time that none of us remember. Yeah. So that got postponed indefinitely. And then I started having these weird pains in my back. And when you put your hand on my back, like flat on my spine, and I moved, you could feel that something was moving. Oh, <gasps> no. Was it your rods are loose? Yeah. Then I got pneumonia and went to the hospital, and they did an x-ray. And we're like, mm, well, <laughs> you know how they could only put three screws in one side? The bottom one snapped. So oh. now there's no screw on the bottom. There's no screw in the broken vertebrae. So there's just two screws and then this much rod. So weird. Like what happened what, to the snap yeah. thing? It's just like, did your body just go? Ow. I, I don't know. <laughs> like, cause they don't no. know when it happened. Yeah. It could have happened like right after, but I never had the follow up x-rays. Fuck. Yeah. Just moving around in there. Like oh, a little it was snake. Very, it was extremely painful. It's like when you like, step on yeah. a, a sea urchin and you pull your foot out and you pull all the fucking yes. needles out, but yeah. they all snap off in your skin and yeah. your skin goes, very familiar. Well, just going to, Calcify this is part of you forever now. That has literally never happened to me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's happened to me. It sucks. That hasn't happened to me. Speaking yet. from experience, <laughs> sounds bad. <laughs> so they scheduled a surgery for like really early January 2022, and then Omicron hit. Remember that? Right. I do. And I kept being like, "Is my surgery still going ahead?" And they were like, "Yeah, for sure." And it, I was supposed to go to the hospital at like 10 a.m. And they called me at 7 and were like, yeah, the guy that was supposed to have surgery before you drank a milkshake for breakfast. So you get to come in. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you're, mm-hmm. you're not allowed to have anything in your system yeah. before you go in for That's like funny. a procedure. So I got to go in early and I get there and I'm like waiting outside the operating room at this point. Like I've been prepped. I'm ready to go in. And they're like, we just got notice that surgeries are being canceled. But you're already here. We're just gonna go. And oh I was my like, god. yes, go. Oh my god. <laughs> so like, how does that second surgery pan out? They removed the broken hardware. So right now, I have one rod with the four screws in it, and I have half of the screw that's still in the bone on the other side. Okay. Yeah. And how, like, you know, you got your own back. How's your like? How's your mobility? How's your back today? Um. I had back pain even before the accident because of osteoporosis, so it's really hard to kind of, like, gauge where it is now. However, recently it's been worse, and we've noticed this weird bump that feels like a bone in the wrong spot on my spine. Mm. So I have an up- upcoming appointment to figure yeah. out what that is. But uh, WebMD and I have decided it's a tumor. Right. Oh, yes. no. <laughs> <laughs> the internet and I have decided that I will be dead tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> it could be a tail. It like, could be, yeah. You could that be would happen to me. Have you guys seen the memes that are like, that are like I'm six months clean from WebMD? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> no, but that's good. Post that. um, the, I mean, this whole thing is crazy. Uh, that you know, you you don't you didn't you don't have CF up to January 2022, um, which <laughs> is then, great. And then you have surgery, and that's awesome. But then yeah. back then to the I CF thing to like cap this whole fucking yep. thing off. He's like, you know, you it really seems like you have CF, and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. You're yeah, like, come on, I'm aware. And he you was don't like, say. you know, you don't have to have like this sweat chloride level to have CF, and I was like. What? <laughs> He's like, yeah, this is like, I'm going to, like, I'm diagnosing you with atypical cystic fibrosis. I'm referring you to the cystic fibrosis clinic. And, like, 
I was like, look, like I've been through this before. I've heard this all before. And he was like, no. And he, he showed me as he typed it into my chart and like booked my CF clinic appointment. So then I showed up to the CF clinic on my appointment date and got told like, oh, actually your lung specialist saw that you had this booked and was like, I already see her. She doesn't need to go to the CF clinic and canceled it without telling you. What? So you, this is like this is the part that's so fucked for me is yeah. that you have like half of your medical team yeah. that's going, she's got CF. Yeah. The other half going, she doesn't. Yeah. No one's coming to agreement on what's going on. Yeah. What's what's on the sheet? What what does it say now? Like, is it are? You, I. I just say it's a CFTR-related disorder, or I say it's like atypical cystic fibrosis. It's severe eosinophilic asthma. Like, I don't know. Like, I have, um, like, bronchiectasis and, like, scar tissue buildup in my lungs that are not from asthma. Like, that doesn't happen with asthma. So there's obviously something else happening. Maybe you have a whole new disease, like the Emily disease. Right? That would yeah. be cool, yeah. Emily, Emily Atitis. <gasps> they just uh, you know? need us, <laughs> honestly. And, like, when all that happened, like, people were like, oh, my God, like, you have to complain and, like, escalate this. And I was like, look, like, I can't keep doing this. Yeah. yeah. I yeah, can't keep, like, finding out what I have and then actually, no, you don't. And, like, I, I just, I'll have to, like, make peace with, like, this is where we are right now. Mm. We don't and, know. And if you're and if you're getting and if you are getting uh, and if you have, like have treatment that mm-hmm. is effective, yes. Then of course the diagnosis would be it. it you know it serves a purpose. Yeah. Um, it pro- it serves a mental purpose, I'm sure. Um, for you know giving you clarity and mm-hmm. maybe some direction. But like you've got at least you've got effective, relatively effective treatment. Yeah. And that's like probably makes up the bulk mm. of what you yeah. want or but, need. But you ever reach out to CF Canada? No. We will. Okay, thanks. You can uh, get access to therapy through the CF clinic you can. too, right? Yeah. Um, so, That's yeah. Right. I mean, at yeah. least Nova Scotia. I, I can't speak for the rest yeah. of Canada. I think it's... Yeah, but anyway. it is. I mean, um, yeah, once you get in the CF clinic, they I, just... They'll cook for you. I mean, they'll... Uh, they'll yeah, introduce me. Do I need, like, an yeah. invitation? Yes. Yeah, there's, I mean, yeah. there's, there's lots of money in it. It's great. <laughs> the Shinorama shit is yeah, really working. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to ask, like, <laughs> like what what is life for you like today? Like, obviously, you're here tonight, but, like, in terms of your energy levels and how this affects you today, like, what is what is life like? So, it was weird growing up. So, like... When I was, like, 12, 13, and I was told, like, we don't know what's wrong with you, but we know it's getting worse, like, to me, that meant, like, oh, okay, I'm going to die. Cool. So I don't have to plan for anything. (laughs) Mm. And then, you know, I became an adult, and coming into my 20s, I was able to get off of steroids and, like, go longer periods without being in the hospital and, like, live a somewhat relatively normal life, and I'm completely unprepared for that because I didn't think I would make it this far. So... Right now, I work, like, multiple part-time jobs. I still have, like, so many medical appointments and treatments and, like, stuff that I can't have a full-time job yet. Like, maybe one day in the future, but, like, right now I'm still, like, working up to it. This is more than I've ever worked Mm. or been able to work before, but uh, it's 
been a slow process. What would you say is the biggest thing that your entire life of poor luck in the medical system has taken away from you? Has taken away? Wow, that's... I feel like that would be an easier question to answer if I had had a somewhat normal life up to a certain point. Mm. But especially as a kid, like everything that happens to you is just normal, right? So it's really hard to like imagine. I have no idea. I don't even know if I would be into photography because I took that because I couldn't take gym in high school and I needed an elective. Well, my second question was going to be, what's the biggest thing that it's given you? I would say empathy. Mm. Yeah. I really, you know, like I actually, at one of my jobs, I run a chronic pain support group for teens. So like the ability to empathize and like help from a, from a lived experience perspective. Well, Emily, uh, this has been a wild roller coaster of a conversation. Uh, I want to thank you for, taking time out of your schedule to come in here and and also like you know commend you for the courage that it takes to stand in front of an audience of people that you have no fucking clue who they are and share your story um thank you this has been such a treat uh we really appreciate it and big thank you to all of you you know this is um to have the opportunity to come and do this podcast to have these conversations in front of a live audience is something that we are very grateful for uh, it's something that means the world to us. So, you know, the fact that you all took time out of your schedules tonight to come sit here, listen, laugh, chime in, it really does mean the world to us. Emily, thank you. This has been a real thank treat. You. And uh, to everybody here in Ottawa, thank you. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. Thank you, everybody. Big thanks. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.